Today on the show, we're going to be hearing more about this largest Christian cult you've never heard of. We're going to be talking to several uh, people who have come out of the new apostolic reformation, and you're going to hear their testimonies over the next couple weeks. There's several that I want to go through. Welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. guys. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, you might hear a little bit of crustiness in my voice. I'm trying to get over a really nasty cold. It's, it's that or allergies. I'm not really sure, but it's been pretty brutal this year. But anyway, like I mentioned in the introduction and like you, you heard uh, last time with uh, Merle Hensel, we're going to be hearing from several different people who have come out of the new apostolic reformation. Those who have been within these types of churches, I know uh, many of you listeners who've been following along with me for a while have heard me talk about my experiences in this movement. Uh, I would refer to the type of church I was in as more of a word of faith type church. Uh, But the Word of Faith movement and the New Apostolic Reformation, uh, a lot of people use those two uh, uh, groups, the names, synonymously. They're not exactly the same exact thing, but there's a lot of overlap. If you're part of the Word of Faith movement, there is a really good chance you're also part of the New Apostolic Reformation. If you're part of the New Apostolic Reformation, that doesn't necessarily mean you're in a Word of Faith church. Does that make any sense? I hope it does. So over the next couple weeks, we're going to be hearing from several of these people. Uh, uh, and and uh, many of you have been, who have been following this podcast for a while, you, you might pick up on some differences in theology even. Because these different people are coming from different backgrounds, uh, different walks in their faith. And so you might hear some things that might uh, be a little different from this show. That's fine. The point is, uh, listen to their testimonies. Listen to what they went through uh, being part of this movement. Every one of them was subject to various types of control tactics, verbal abuse in many cases. Uh, Most of them were slandered. Most of them were were disfellowshipped, if you will, a term that uh, Jehovah's Witnesses use, but it is... (laughs) It happens all the time in these types of churches. Uh, You're also going to hear a lot of pain uh, in in many of these testimonies. And some of them, you're going to hear some just flat out anger. And uh, you know what? I don't blame them. Uh, If you listen to some of my earlier podcasts where I touch on these subjects, um, you'll hear me get worked up more in those podcasts than I do nowadays. I think I've gone through a lot of healing. Uh, The Lord's really dealt with me on this. Um, but having said that, I mean, it just comes out at times. And in fact, there's still times where I get talking about, uh, the types of things that happen within my church, uh, to people that I know and to me, myself, and I get pretty worked up. You're going to hear some of that emotion in some of these testimonies. Uh, you know, this is what this movement does. This is the fruit of the new apostolic reformation. Is this something from God? Or is this just 
another one of the tricks of the devil, another fruit of the devil, if you will. Uh, I, I, you know, a lot of people from within this movement, they love the Lord. I don't question their salvation. Uh, and in fact, many of them still produce good fruit. Having said that, the doctrines, the control, the cult-like tactics, and I'm not going to come right out and say the New Apostolic Reformation is a cult, even though the title is a little provocative. I haven't settled on, on a particular stance just, just yet, but having said that, they do fit most of the signs of a cult. And the control tactics and the one leader who is in authority uh, that you cannot question. You question this leader, you're in trouble. You're going to start getting pushed out of the inner circle, uh, if not pushed straight out of the church and shunned by everybody. Uh, Very malicious types of tactics that are used by this group in many situations. So again, I don't question the salvation of anybody within the New Apostolic Reformation so much as the teachings, the tactics, uh, the theology, doctrines of demons. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Are they orthodox on on many uh, Christian essentials? Absolutely. But all these side doctrines that they're taught that are stressed so much more than the essentials of the faith and just studying God's word. These other side doctrines are anything but Christian, anything but biblical. So anyway, I've ranted long enough. We're going to start today uh, hearing from Oscar and Maria. Uh, Oh, by the way, really important. This is all of these testimonies and so much more because obviously we can't really get into uh, their testimonies as in-depth as you could in a printed format. Uh, But all of these testimonies can be found in the booklet, Narrow is the Way, Have You Really Found It? You can find this book on Amazon. It is a short little booklet, uh, but there are several testimonies in there. Uh, Fascinating read, and uh, I would recommend it if you guys are interested in it. If you're part of the New Apostolic Reformation and you're listening to these testimonies and you're thinking, you know what, I think I'm part of this movement, or maybe I am definitely part of this movement and I want to see these testimonies, or maybe you just came out and you want to hear other people telling similar stories, just so you can know you're not alone. Check this book out. Again, it's Narrow is the Way, Have you really found it? And so with that, let's jump into today's interviews with Oscar and Maria. Oh, this is going to be different. I've never done this before with so many people. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, Jason, Joy, Merle, Oscar, Trisha, Marsha, and Angie, welcome to the Youth Apologetics Training Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's It's Maria. Maria, I apologize. Yes. No um, Guys, okay, friends, we have a whole group of people here today who have been a part of the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, they've been within these churches, and they all have interesting stories. Now, I know so many of you uh, that listen uh, either are part of this movement or have come out, and so I think you're going to find great comfort in hearing the different uh, stories from uh, everyone here on the line. Uh, This is going to be really fun because uh, this is the first time that we've had this many people on the podcast. And so we're going to start with Oscar, who is in England, and it's one in the morning. Oscar, so (laughs) tell me, uh, what was it, you know, tell me about the church you were involved in. What was it like? 
So it was a vineyard church, um, which I I don't know how they compare with, you know, the the vineyards in America. But um, to begin with, it was uh, just a very friendly, um, sort of relaxed church. And and my impression of it when I first joined um, was that it was, you know, it was very... um, kind of bible focused and um and very wor- also very worship <clears throat> focused and uh yeah the the sort of to begin with the um the pastor was actually he had an impressive um ability to um you know take scripture and just uh kind of preach on it really well um i I was just i was yeah he was was very young um uh, when i first joined he was they were only kind of early 20s the pastors um but he was very good um this is when i first started going there back in uh 2003 um but it didn't it didn't stay that way unfortunately Right. And uh, actually, I come from a vineyard church as well. Um, actually, when, when I came out of my very, uh, it, it's funny, it was a very charismatic church. Uh, I didn't even realize I was part of the New Apostolic Reformation. It, would, it took years before I realized what we were really doing there. Uh, but the safe, quote unquote, safe church I went to right after that was a vineyard. And we weren't there very long. We attended for probably, oh, I don't know, half a year, and um, things just weren't right. Uh, It was certainly a lot more tame than the other church that we went to, but but yeah, it was was focused very much on worship, which I don't have a problem with that, Uh, but Mm. I noticed nobody ever brought their Bibles. Uh, Nobody Mm. did. We would have a, a sermon that would have maybe one scripture in it, and a whole lot of worldly references, movies, stuff like that. Uh, but I guess it wasn't too much, I guess it didn't feel too much like a new apostolic reformation church, but I've heard from many others uh, around the world. Yeah. That uh, the vineyard is kind of going in that direction. So what types of things were they, were they teaching in there? I, you, your, uh, your portion of this book is really well done. Uh, I love it because you you uh, kind of you know outwent supplication, in came declaration, outwent evangelism <laughs> and making disciples, in came motivationalism, in came mm. mysticism, occult practices, and you go on and on is really good. But uh, yeah, tell me about the things they were really teaching there. So yeah, I, I mean, um, as you, you say, that it would be a, a very <clears throat> very small portion of scripture this, this is i mean to begin with it was like as i say it was very good um biblically but it just bit by bit um it became sort of less and less of the bible and as you say more and more of i mean it was weird when i um shortly before i left um i somebody tried to recruit me for a business which i was sort of interested in um, and they, they gave me some CDs to listen to. And literally, if if the person speaking on this CD had mentioned Jesus two or three times, it would have been the same um, sort of content. 
you know, it's about achieving your your goals, your, you know, your dreams, blah blah, you know, all that kind of, as you say, very worldly stuff. Um, and uh, the the use of scripture became more and more tenuous, and and even edited. Um, the pastor would literally take a passage <clears throat> of um, you know a couple of paragraphs, but he would actually take verses out so that it fit his message rather than the other way around. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was very much. Um, Talking about uh, you know destiny and dreams and um, your sort of personal ambitions. It was also um, very kind of became very focused on like um trying to think of the word. Um, well, you know you know the the, the how the New Apostolic Reformation. That they they go on a lot about um, influencing the kind of spheres of culture, you know, the, the seven mountain mandate thing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it became focused on those kind of things, like um, trying to. It's weird. I, I say trying to. They talked about influencing, say, local government, and um, you know, sort of the arts and whatever, but they never did anything, which is very, very <laughs> odd. Um, and, uh, yeah, lots of... <clears throat> one of the things that I found frustrating, actually, was they, they did an awful lot about um, sort of, like, almost like counselling um, and trying to sort of teach the church en masse how to, uh, you know, counsel each other and um, sort of, you know, I've got anything against people being open with their feelings and, and, and that, but it, it just it became very, um, well, almost kind of like, like they're trying to encourage everyone to become a narcissist. Um, and, you know, uh, I mean, the very last service that I attended um was the uh, the 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 pastor he he did it based on a story of Cain and Abel and so obviously Cain kills Abel um and in the bible you know god says because you've done this you are basically cursed um but he actually left that part of the story out um, and made it about uh, the the. He, it's very, it's very strange. He he said that the um, the reason Cain firstly murdered his brother and then became a wanderer on the earth is because he wouldn't let God or anybody else um, like attend to his needs. Which, <laughs> I mean, tell me, you know, how on earth do you get that? <laughs> do you get that from, you know, a story of basically sibling rivalry that went too far? Um, and uh, you know, because I, I, I was following the, excuse me, I was following the scripture like actually on my Bible app on my phone, and he had a, the, the pastor had that up on the screen, 
and he had literally just omitted, you know, a couple of those key verses that tell you what actually happened, and he made it into this ridiculous thing um, where, you know, the, he's trying to encourage the whole church to, you know, let's all be open with each other and and, and all this sort of thing. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but why make a why try and you know sort of squeeze that into a Bible story that it just doesn't fit. Well, one of the things that I couldn't quite put my finger on, but really bothered me, uh, and I've since kind of realised what it was, is about sin and repentance became like a non-issue. Mm. Um, and so where, you know, t- traditionally, and, and certainly in my early church background, you know, you, um, you would sort of be very, be aware of, you know, um, sin, you'd, you'd, there'd be room in the church service to kind of reflect on uh, your, um, you know, where you were at in that, in that regard, and to, you know, sort of confess and, and whatever, and but in this church, instead of instead of encouraging repentance, they would uh, like pray and you know so-called prophesy over people. Mm. It, it, if you see what I mean, so just to give an illustration, um, there was a particular guy that I I knew. Um, had a particular issue, sin issue, which he had maybe two years earlier confessed to me. Um, and I had been, you know, lovingly um, sort of firm with him and saying, you need to put this right. You need to, you know, stop doing the thing that, that you keep coming to me crying about. Um, but because, I guess maybe because he didn't get what he wanted from me, he then started, he then carried on, uh, but going to other people in the church, and so instead of you know him being kind of like held to account and uh, actually repenting, it was you know each time he'd he'd be back down the front of the church for you know um, for like prayer, and people would be standing around him declaring things that, you know about him, you know you're a mighty man of God and all that sort of stuff, and it seems to be. Um, all like instead of like actual repentance, you know, you like week mm-hmm. after week, you, you go on in the same sin, the same lifestyle. Um, and people just, I don't know, it's, it's just very strange. Hmm. Y- you and, know, uh, it's... and also, the, I mean, from a, as, as far as the influence in the church um, goes, it, over the first few years that I was there, uh, as I say, it started off very much on kind of like vineyard, as far as I understand them anyway, vineyard kind of foundation, so sort of like John Wimber or whatever. And then uh, over a few years, um, different things sort of had like a short, um, uh, oh, what's the word? It was like things that were kind of like in vogue for for a brief period. So, so we had like, we had the purpose driven life. Um, which all the leaders went through the book, and then that was kind of that done with. And then we had a lot of Andy Stanley stuff, and mm. um, and then and then, but then he seemed to uh, the pastor that is seemed to I don't know whether he just discovered 
um, Bethel Church uh, you know, mm. around, it would have been around 2006, but that, that, is, that then stuck. Um, it was like, and then over the next few years, everything became Bethel this, Bethel that. And uh, the things that he would teach were basically just lifted from, you know, Bethel teachings. Um, and tell me if I'm, if I'm talking too long. You can always, you can always interrupt me. Um, uh, one, one of the very early things um, to do with Bethel, before I even was really particularly conscious of, of Bethel, um, was he, he did this, um, this series of talks on um, the culture of honour, which I'd, I'd never heard of before, and I thought it was a bit of a strange title, you know. Um, but it was several weeks long, you know, on Sundays. Um, and what it basically amounted to was the, you know, to be honouring and godly, um, <laughs> basically, you uh, listen to the listen to the pastor and the leaders, and um, don't really sort of question, um, you know, too much. And uh, it was very strange. It was kind of yeah. It was called the culture of honor, but I, I, I think what it what it actually planted in the church was was actually a culture of um, sort of stifled conversations and. I, ne I never became, you know, too um, polite. You know, I, I, I continued to challenge things as I had, had done before, even though I actually became a full-on, you know, Bethelite, you know, <laughs> you know myself. But, um, but I had friends in the church who would tell me that I was the only person they could, they could speak honestly to about the church. And these were leaders in the church. Um, and, you know, I kind of thought that was strange, uh, but it was only really sort of towards the end of my time there that I thought, you know, why on earth would, w w would people feel that they couldn't speak openly? They had to have like sort of secret, almost like secret meetings, um, to, you know, to, to, to talk about their concerns with the church. So that kind of, yeah weird secrecy thing and you, you couldn't disagree with the pastor and um if you did you you were you know you had a rebellious spirit or you were you know religious or whatever you know that they, they come with all these pejorative terms that they throw at people who you know don't kiss and bow um yeah, yeah, yeah. In our church, instead of that culture of honor book, we all had to read some book. Uh, I forget the name. The author is John Bevere, uh -huh. and yep. and yeah, it was it was something about yeah. covering theology, yeah. and we were all forced to read it. I was the only one that was one of the elders that didn't read it. I mm. I just I I couldn't. I, that was when I started to come out of this. And I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was so disgusted with all the stuff that was going on that uh, it was it was the friendships and and the just the control that that the mm. church had over me that kept me there. Um, yeah. But I was on my way out. I mean, my heart had already left. Yeah, and I think that's the that, same for me because um, 
I, I think if I if I hadn't if I hadn't become so loyal to the pastor, I would have probably left five years before I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I'd sort of yeah thought about leaving a lot, um, but felt that I just for some reason felt that I couldn't leave. Um, and as I say in my section of the um, of the book, book the booklet, um, you know, one of the reasons why I felt I couldn't leave is because nobody who had visibility in the church had ever left um, well. You know, it was it was never good. Um, it was always, you know, some sort of major. Um, it was Argument a problem. Disagreement. Yeah, uh, and then it was always a problem with you. It's always you. You have a lack of faith, and you're yeah. walking in rebellion, and exactly. you know maybe you have a spirit of Jezebel. These types of things, and yeah, yeah. So, so how did you end up finally uh, getting out of there? Um, well, I mean, it was <clears throat> the fact that sort of in, in the in the the last kind of year and a half <clears throat> that I was there, um, my marriage broke down very, mm. you know, very, very publicly. And uh, the, the the reason actually that I, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure whether this, whether this um, got edited out because uh, when we were writing the book, because we had to sort of, you know, reduce, well, certainly I did, have to reduce the amount I'd written. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the reason why I, I included in the book um, the thing about my marriage breaking down wasn't so that everyone could feel sorry for me. It was the fact that um, the the so the 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 other person you know who came into our marriage, um, you know, a, a guy from Bethel. Um, once it it came out that my now ex-wife and this guy were, you know, having an affair. Um, the pastor then said that he wasn't from Bethel even though the whole reason that he had come to visit our church sort of three four times was because because he was from Bethel and so you know that kind of got me that really bothered me like why why couldn't he admit or face the fact that you know someone from Bethel wasn't you know squeaky clean or you know whatever it's as though he had to um he had to defend or protect bethel um you know rather than face the truth and actually and actually lie to protect bethel you know that that's that's quite strange isn't it um that was well i'd say my my um confidence in you know in Bethel and how biblical and godly they were or weren't um certainly you know had begun to unravel already but that certainly helped you know me to uh question a lot more than I had been doing um and then yeah just just um the fact that I I stopped going as often because it was really hard hard to go to the same you know the same group of people um that my marriage had sort of crashed in front virtually in front of 
I just found that very hard because you know every time I would turn up, people would just that's all they'd want to talk to me about. It was, it was like the elephant. Or, well, they, they either they either would only talk to me about that, or they wouldn't talk to me because it was like the elephant in the room for some people, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I found it easier just to not go, and then by not being there, um, I, I then sort of got more of a an outside sort of perspective, and and you know started to. Um, just think, you know, more and more how how crazy it all was. Just the the stuff that we'd been taught, and just, um, I mean, I, I think for I don't know how long, um, but I'd I'd certainly been pretending for a good long while. You know, I, I'd I'd pretty much lost my faith. You know. Um, because no, because none of none of the stuff that was taught, none of the things that we were encouraged to do, like uh, prophesying or you know, um, taking day trips to heaven and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I, I knew deep down that none of that stuff. Um, well, either it was all false, or um, it just didn't work for me. Um, you know, like I was the only one that couldn't get to grips with this stuff and um and I you know I just uh, my head was such a mess with it all um that I yeah I I I, I never came got, I never got as far as saying that's it I don't believe it any of it anymore you know I, I'm I'm just gonna get on with my life and forget about basically forget about God just whatever you know I don't care anymore I didn't quite get that far, but I almost did. Um, and um, yeah, I finally decided to leave during that service where he was talking about Cain and Abel. I, I just thought this is just beyond a joke. This is if you can't even read a Bible passage and then teach on what it actually says, what it actually means, then what? Why? Yeah. yeah why I'm even sure. sit under a pastor like that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and why was I subject to yeah as I say that pastor why you know um, like as, as I was I was kind of trying trying to move on with my life you know um, post divorce um, but I I was still feeling like I had to pretty much run all my uh, you know before I could make any decisions I had to sort of like run it by the pastor still and and I, actually meeting meeting my new wife and she, she came along to the church once and I was kind of hoping that she would like it. Um, I'm not quite sure why by that point, but I was. And as we left, she, we kind of got in the car to drive away and she was just saying like, what was that? You know, I, I mean, she, she said, I didn't get anything that was happening. I didn't understand a word they said because they're speaking in silly language. Um, none of it made sense. Uh, she said that <coughs> during the service, um, the, the, the children came around with little notes, you know, with supposed prophecies on. Oh, no. And we handed them out. And, and, and one, of the, one of the kids gave one to to her and and I thought oh that's nice she's got a little message 
Um, but she actually found it. She found it bizarre, and she thought, like, you know, what are they doing to those kids? Right. Um, mm-hmm. What are they doing? You know, they're they're, they're making them sort of. Uh, Why? Just write these random messages down, which are just kind of kind of meaningless and. Um, yeah, she just thought it was very strange. She actually, she actually thought, you know, there's no way I would want my kids coming to something like this because it's just spooky as you like, you know. Um, so yeah, she, that kind of also helped me <laughs> helped me to to come to, you know, to sort of like admit um, that yeah, it's it's really become a bit of a freak show. Mm. And and this is and this is very typical. What you, I mean, what you've gone through the the control. I mean, like in your in your testimony, you talk about um, uh, mysticism and occult practices, uh, mm-hmm. declaring things. The 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 uh, kind of Rhonda was it Rhonda Burns the secret that that declaring things as though they are uh, actual fact. I am healthy. I am wealthy. Yeah. I have a new red Corvette. You know, <laughs> you know and these types of things. The seven mountain mandate, apostles yeah. and prophets. You have to submit to a local. Well, you submit to your pastor, who is your covering, and you're not allowed yeah. to question his authority. Okay. And then he submits to another, uh, a, a, a prophet or an apostle, who then submits to somebody else higher up the ladder. And you have this, mm. this church hierarchy um that's it i mean that's the new apostolic reformation and 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 you're one of those people that questioned them and they yep. rolled right over you they rolled over you mm. chewed you up and spit you out i once went to, well not just once two or three times i went to the pastor's house with a list of questions oh, of things that i just i either didn't get or um you know i thought were playing wrong um and it was it was so strange because i i had this this long list i was probably at his house for three hours and i came away and realized that i hadn't got uh, a decent answer to any of my questions mm-hmm. but i but i somehow left thinking you know <laughs> thinking that he'd answer them and to realize later they hadn't answered a single one yeah, so if you if you ask questions, then you're not being or trying to be discerning. You're not trying to seek the truth. What you're being is either rebellious or, um, you know, religiously spirited or, you know, there's just... Legalistic. Sorry. No opportunity to actually oh, just yeah. simply ask questions and get decent, you know, an honest answer. You know the the trick that my pastor pulled on us too, and I bet you that probably half of you can say the same thing is um, we were told that that God was going to do this great move in our church, and whenever somebody would doubt in any way, and and asking questions is certainly doubt, uh, then uh, he would say that you know. There are people here that are doubting, and you're withholding this movement of God. You are stopping mm. the hand of God from moving, which I always thought was amazing because I thought, wow, you know, 
me over here who's doubting what the pastor's saying and that it's actually biblical. I, I actually, you know, God's sitting up in, in heaven rubbing his hands together and going, come on, Mike, get it together. I can't do anything until you believe, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but to some people in the congregation, that really hurt him. I mean, it, it was it was a really powerful thing that he pulled on him, and and they felt a lot of condemnation and shame because they were actually doubting something the pastor had said, and they were withholding God's move in the church. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a theme as well. Yeah, Oscar, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's like one forty in the morning, so. You can stick on as long as you want, but if you want to hang up, that's totally fine too. Okay, I, I, I think I should I should probably go. <laughs> uh, I still have to be up in the morning as well. So, but uh, yeah, thanks um, for uh, for having having us on. And absolutely, it might it might end up being a two parter just this alone, but that's okay. Mm. I got time. So, Maria, tell me about the church you went to. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, I don't know where to start. Um, I had been in a church prior to this uh, that was also what has now come out to be NAR, uh, but I didn't know it. And um, I had come out of Catholicism when I was hmm. 19 years old and was seeking and searching. So I went down the different paths, looking at New Age and, you know, the different things as you go along. Come along and I find the word and I wanted a word based church. So uh, we attended one that is under Christian international, which happens to be the same um, leader over the church that I attended that I left uh, mm-hmm. uh, when I wrote this book. Um, the, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when I, found this church we were we were actively seeking a church and we continued to run into this particular pastor at the store and um so my husband's like well i wonder if this isn't the lord just trying to get us you know get he's opening a door for us to go here so we decided we would, we would try this church and we quickly somehow quickly got to go up the ranks um, they liked us. We liked them. Very friendly, very personable. Everybody was loving, open. Um, you know, it, it made you wanted to go. You wanted to stay. You wanted to stay after church. There was like a draw, and it was a lot like Oscar said. It was the the community of the church people, the, the love that you felt, the friendships that were forged. Those things were important to us, and um, as well as being word based. And this is this particular church is has river in the title, which I didn't know back then. That is kind of a buzzword for the NAR, something with the river, the river churches, they call it. And uh, um, yes. Yes. And their tagline is come into the flow of the spirit, ministering miracles, signs, and wonders for you and your family. Looking mm-hmm. back now, I see that and say, wow, that seems like a, you know, kind of a circus type um, <laughs> ad. You're going to minister miracle signs and wonders to me. Okay, what can you do? You know, um, but when I saw it then, I didn't see that. I saw what I wanted to see, the Holy Spirit, you know, miracle signs. That's a spirit, word-based spiritual church is what's on the page. So mm-hmm. um, we were going there for a little while, and um, 
for some reason, um, my husband has a business on the side. He's a fireman, but he has, he has a construction business. And the pastors had bought a house that was so, it was just old. It needed to be gutted and remodeled. And they called us and they asked us, would you come over and tell us what we need to do? Well, we went over there and we did that. And they asked us if we would help them with the home because they trusted us. Well, mm. we said we'd do, we would work with them for three weeks. That three weeks turned into a year and a half or more um, based on, how would you say it? Uh, based on them prophesying over our life, if you do this, God will bless you with that. It was, mm-hmm. it was, like, it was like a, a bait and switch. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, if you complete this project, God will bless you with such and such. And then the prophecies would line up. You would get, oh, if you do this, God's giving you a double portion Elijah anointing. You know, and as these things were being said to me, and as I'm spending more time than most people with these people, because they're, you know, you see a pastor generally on Sunday and then sometimes during the week. Now, we're there every day, eight hours plus. So we got the behind the scenes scenes, (laughs) so to speak, um, where... What he said in the pulpit did not match what happened behind the scenes. And that threw red flags up for me. Uh, people that were would confide in the pastor, he would come back to the home and tell us about it and joke about it. Oof. And these were private issues that were, you know, uh, people with public Oscar, people sought out my husband and, and myself to talk to us in church. And many times I would say, why don't you go to the pastor's wife? Well, she, you know, she's, we're afraid of her. She's mean. She's controlling. She has no mercy. She didn't. Um, she would be the person that brought correction in the church, and he would be the one that brought the teaching. So if anything needed to be correction, she would go up there and say her piece, and it wasn't very nice, um, very condescending, very condemning, um, devastating to some people. But for whatever reason, Everybody stayed, you know, for the most part when I first joined. And um, as we were working there, he gave us the title. He started calling us leaders. And my husband and I looked at each other. We had never heard that term before, the church leaders. We've heard of elders. We heard of a board. But we didn't necessarily hear of leaders. Um, so, you know, we just went with it. We thought, okay, if they consider us that, that's fine. And... Um, as, as we got closer to them, they demanded more of our time. They would call and text and email us all day long. It just didn't stop. And they started requiring, things, got, things started to change when Bethel music was introduced. So I had asked him and he denied knowing anything about it. Um, we're, not, we're connected, but we're not connected. So it's double speak. I, I, got, I didn't get anywhere. Um, and I wasn't one to sit there and not question so I just kept digging, and as I was digging, I never felt right to begin with there. It just didn't feel right, and, and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't put my finger on it, um, and I, something bothered me, and I would listen to his sermons, and as he's, as he's speaking the word, it wasn't the word that I – it didn't jive with what I had read. So I was, I started searching scripture. I started taking notes and I started taking those passages home that I had questions on. And I looked it up for myself and it did not match at all. Um, just like Oscar said, they, 
they took bits and pieces to, to compile a sermon that matched your best life now or, mm. you know, um, anything to do with prosperity, um, uh, health, wealth, you know, the law of attraction was a big deal in that church. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The speak, the, call those things that are not as though they are. Never speak negative. Um, and so I asked him once, I said, you know, in the word, the people that came to Jesus that were ill didn't go to him and say, hey, look, I'm feeling great. By the way, can you heal me? I said, they just said, <laughs> we're sick. You know, and he said, well, that's a lack of faith on their part. And it's because that they walked with the Lord that they were able to, you know, the grace of God being with them in person, but we don't have that. So we need our faith. And he basically uh, taught that faith was a power. Faith was a force, um, which that is not how the Bible describes faith, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know. And and if you didn't get healed, it was from a lack of faith. If you didn't yeah. get your, if your paycheck didn't increase or you lost your, you know, the job that we were all declaring and decreeing over you, uh, that's because you didn't declare and decree it over yourself. You didn't stand in agreement with the prayer. I mean, it was a list of things that he went just down. It was never about, um, you know, what the prayer. First of all, the prayer was we didn't pray in the proper way. But you know, he would he would he wouldn't even take responsibility for anything, nothing. It was always everybody else's fault, but but his. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, people got very very. Uh, there was a heaviness that started to come in. Uh, people start. I started seeing people leave, but it was quiet. You never would hear why. You would just notice these people that were here forever gone. And when you asked about it, well, well they had a demonic spirit. We, we had to have. We had to have them. We asked them to leave. Um, that was the general answer we got. It wouldn't go further. Um, and at, in the beginning. I, I didn't have a reason to doubt him, but as time went on and I started to really search this out, um, I, I started to get scared for myself. Spiritually, I was afraid. I, I said, you know, this is not the Jesus of the Bible, what we're, what we're teaching. I told my husband, this is not it. Um, this is so diametrically opposed to who God is and the things that they're teaching every Sunday. And he's like, but they use scripture. I said, yeah, he does. He uses scripture. He'll say, such as this passage, you know, the passage, he'll read the sentence and he'll, he'll list like 18 scriptures you, without even enough time to write these things down, but oh, sure. he doesn't tie anything together. It's not that he didn't use the word, he did. He was just cut and paste mm. yeah. as he needed yeah. to fit it in, his sermon. And if you didn't know the word, and most people didn't bring the word or they didn't read the word, how would you know it wasn't the proper or correct you you know, I hate, right. I hate to say it, but in the church I went to, um, there was probably a small handful out of that whole church that had ever actually read their Bible all the way through. Yes. I, and I think that's very common. Yes. And they would put the scripture up on screen. You know, the ones that he had in his sermon prepared, they would go up on the screen. People could see what he chose. But there was, they never really went into the scriptures beforehand. They never went into the scriptures, you know, they would just pick one. So there was, you never got the entire story, you got pieces, parts. Now mix that with some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, put it all together. And now you have a sermon on how you can be healed and your paycheck will be, you know, double next week. Um, it was always about how we could better ourselves. 
it wasn't really about Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember, and we also had two two things going on in the church. We had the Sunday service, which was for the general popula- population, and then we had Thursday nights or Wednesday nights. They switched it back and forth. It was called the School of the Holy Spirit. Oh, now, boy. in the School of the Holy Spirit, there was a handful of people, and there the I can't even begin to tell you some of the things. He would actually get up there and say, now, if I would tell this to the people on Sunday, I wouldn't have anybody left in my church. But because you are chosen and you are dedicated to the Holy Spirit, he goes, I can go here. We need to go to like, take this to a higher level. We need to press harder, get out of our comfort zones, you know, get our feet wet in the river, go deeper, go higher. You know, we should mm. be able to walk across water. And you've got people sitting that are sitting here that can't even breathe, that go for prayer week after week after week just to be told, you're not healed because you have no faith. <clears throat> and um, it was just ridiculous. My mother had passed, and uh, we had her funeral there, and he basically said to me, you have one year to mourn. He goes, I'm going to mark it. You have one year from today to mourn. After that, he goes, you're going to need deliverance if it continues. He said, he said you have a year. What? And, yes, my, I took care of my mother. He knew this. I took care of my mother and father 24-7, 365. My dad was for two years. My mom, my mother was for four or five. So they were my, at that point, they were my life. Um, and to lose somebody that was that close to me and to hear that was like, you couldn't have slapped me any harder. And then, <laughs> you know, as time was going on and I, I was, I wasn't getting over it. Like I, I thought I had to, um, he would say to me, see, you're not letting go of your mother's death. That's why you're having problems at home. See, you're not doing this. That's why this is happening to you. See, you're cursing yourself because you won't let go, you know? And it was just like, everything was so negative. It, there was nothing scriptural. It, it, got, it had gotten so bad that um, my husband and my, me and my son were going for counseling, but he would never sit with the three of us. He always counseled us individually and would never bring us together. And we could not figure that out. Well, you know, I'll set up a meeting next week for all three of you. Never would happen. Promise not happen. Um, and then as I started questioning being at this church, we, um, I, I got my family together and I, I said, you know, do any of you notice this is going on? And we started to talk, and then all of a sudden we realized how he was pitting each one of us against the other. Everything mm. came out at the table. My, my son was being told to avoid my husband. My husband was being told to throw my son out. Um, well, you know, it was we were all being played like a fiddle. And wow. he had us all where he wanted us to be because anytime there was a problem, who, who would we call? We would call him. He was the center of attention. Every He was the sun and we were all the plants and we were all revolving around him. And that was not just me. This was everybody in the congregation from who do I get married to to what kind of mm. car should I buy? Um, you know, where do my kids need to go to school? People were running their lives by him for you know, direction and guidance. and But he made it seem like if you didn't come to him for that, it wouldn't be blessed. There would be no anointing on it. So, again, as I, as I started seeing more and more and more and, and hearing them at home, um, 
and being with them constantly and seeing that their lives just didn't match to what they were speaking from the pulpit. And I said to my husband, if they're speaking about so-and-so behind their backs, what are they saying about us? You know, what, what, this is, there is no privileged information when you go to a pastor here. This is not privileged right. to be making fun of people's hardships or the relational issues. You know, and mm-hmm. to laugh it up and, and, and it, to go as far as even to make fun of people's looks oh. to us. That was, that was, it was, it was turning my stomach. And then he it, would say, the Holy Spirit is here. Don't you feel the anointing? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, there's a spirit here. But it's definitely not holy. <laughs> oh, you know, being part of the uh, elder board at this uh, church, they encountered the same types of things. It was the pastor and his wife. They were always talking about somebody. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing. Are we supposed to show fruits of of the Holy Spirit being in our life? Yes. Anyway, yeah. And that's what it was. It was he would say, "Well, fruit is fruit is grown and gifts are given." He would constantly push that fruit, but there was no fruit. If you if you were to examine the fruit, the fruit was rotten. Mm-hmm. And as I started looking at the fruit, and the fruit was rotten. I'm like, okay, if the fruit's rotten, then the core's rotten. I, you know, and I started, by the time I figured this out and prayed and cried out to God, I can't tell you how many months that I begged God to show me the truth. I'm like, Lord, please. And he kept going, go back in my word, read it in my word. I kept getting the word, the word, the word. And as I read the word and as I searched out these things on the internet, I was like devastated. My whole faith, everything I had built up on for since 2001 to 2014 crashed. It was false. Mm. All my mm. beliefs came falling down. I, I, I was so depressed and so basically speechless. I, I, I felt, I didn't feel like giving up on the Lord. I felt like giving up on myself. Mm. You know, how, how could I be so foolish? How could I have been so blind? Um, this man did not have a board of, of elders. He had his family. It was only the family. So if there was an issue within the ranks, you couldn't go anywhere because they defended each other, you know, like uh, to the death. You couldn't, you couldn't, there was nowhere to go. So you were stuck. You were either stuck or you had to leave. Goodness. And I couldn't stay knowing what I knew. And my husband was sort of blinded to it. It took him a little while to catch on. Um, because he was so involved with building the home and where he goes, you know, he looked at them like parents and, you know, how, I, I can't see them doing this to us. And then his, then as he started to really look and pray, he started seeing the truth. And when he walked in to finally tell them that we're leaving, um, we, here's our resignation letter, you know, uh, they were, he, he threatened to refuse the, to break the covenant. He goes, I do not have to release you from a covenant. He goes, if you're not released from the covenant, you will be under a curse because the Lord says, touch not my anointed. And he goes, guess what? I'm anointed of God. (laughs) And my husband basically said, God has given us a free will. You know, God would not hold us here. God would not make us stay here if we didn't want to be here. We're exercising our free will and we're leaving. This was after a two-hour battle in the office. He didn't even want me to go because he knew it was going to be bad. It wasn't good. It was never good when someone left. Never. And then people would ignore you and not talk to you. See you in a store, turn away. Um, basic shunning. 
Um, mm-hmm. I still had a couple of friends that still do talk to me, but it's very, very hidden through emails. Or if we do run into to each other, it's, you know, somewhere way out. And they still, I could see them looking over their shoulders to see if somebody's watching. It's really sad. And for a long time, I was afraid too. I was afraid to even go to the same stores where we would run into him because I did not want to see him. I was that scared until I started to heal, which took, it took, honestly, finding the group on Facebook was a big part of the healing because mm-hmm. when, I, when I got out, there was nothing available to find on NAR or whatever this church was because I wasn't even sure what it was. Um, it was a monster. That's all I knew. And it had a lot of tentacles. And as I started looking into it, everything started matching NAR. And found the group and came across these people of God that all were in a similar boat. And we started to talk. And it was so therapeutic to be able to have someone understand what I went through and, and to know the pain and to know the loss because you lose a lot. Um, oh, yeah. We lost, we lost position. Um, I was the photographer for the church and, you know, everything had gone through my head before I left. Well, you're going to lose this and you're going to lose this and you're going to lose this. And I, and I thought to myself, but I will have my eternal life. And that's what matters to me. All this doesn't matter. I just want the truth. Desperate for the truth. And wow. Yeah. And I, I really believe it. If you seek the truth, you will find the truth, but you have to want it. And, those, I, and there are people that have left since then. Um, we found out after we left, there was a, like a, uh, a slow exit. Yep. Um, some people yep. having left into the truth, some people having left into another NAR church. They just had to get away from the, the controlling uh, issues that were happening at that church. Um, not yeah. all oh. NAR, the NAR churches are as controlling as the one I left. There's one across the street from me now. It's, it's still a NAR, but it's not like that more loving more understanding there hmm. um so you know and it just it just depends on who you run into if they'll speak to you or not uh, someone actually told us that we were thrown out of the church because we were demonized um i just laughed i said you know i have all the emails back and forth to, to show you that we put in our resignation and we were basically threatened that we wouldn't be allowed to leave he's not letting us leave flat out told us that. I mean, if you're not being held hostage by a cult, what is it? Uh, amen, right? I, and that's and that's what I, I keep coming back to. They fit so many different signs of a cult. And that, that one leader that you cannot question, right. and uh, there's so much control that... That right there, it just screams cult, absolutely screams it. All the extra biblical revelations, uh, the fact that the Bible is kind of taught out of, but everything seems to be twisted and taken out of context. Uh, Again, usually for the purposes of some type of manipulation. Isn't it interesting that most of the teachings that come from these churches has some form of manipulation, like there's a hook somewhere in there? Yes. Yeah, a, t- a, a tasty morsel that's on the hook, but there's a hook somewhere in there. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to stroke your ego. It's going to make you feel elite. It's going to make you feel powerful, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, empowered. 
and in yes. control of your life, but really you're getting hooked into right. the system of control. And that's how I felt for a while. There was a time that I did feel empowered. There was a time that I felt, you know, elitist. I'll just say what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And as you went up the ranks and people are looking up to you and you start getting this type of power, um, and it scared me because deep down I knew this is not godly. This is not mm-hmm. godly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I had I had enough of um, – I wasn't a cover-to-cover Bible reader at the time, but I had read enough and I had stu- studied it enough because I, 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 I yearned for that truth for my whole life. To know, you know, to know when I was not, when something was off, I just didn't know what. It was so deep. It's it, it's like it's like the frog in the pot with the water. You put the frog in the pot with the cold water, and you slowly turn up the heat, and he doesn't realize he's boiling until he's done. He's cooked. Mm. And that's what I felt like. You get in there, everything's cool, everything's nice, everything, and slowly it's turned up on you. Slowly they put pressure on you. Slowly they demand more from you. Slowly they suck more of your time. I, I had no time at home. We were, everything was demanded from us. We were on the road constantly with these people doing this yep. and, and, you know, one thing after another. And I, I said my house was falling apart, and yet, you know, everything they have done is getting done because we're all doing it. We're like puppets. And it just got hotter and hotter and hotter to the point where I felt like either I'm totally crazy or this is really wrong and I need out. Right. Yep. And I, we, we, we didn't, we didn't leave. We fled. We literally fled. Um, it, it was, it was, we had, we had, th- we had our things there because we were working on our home. We had to collect all of our things. I mean, it was, it was actually like leaving uh, a compound. We had to wow. slowly sneak our stuff out. We decided we were leaving. We were slowly sneaking our stuff out. Without them knowing that, so when we were, we figured when we get everything we have and own out, then we'll tell them. Because we didn't know what he would do. Oh man, oh. That's the kind of fear that that we were under. And my husband's ex-military. Um, even with all that training and background, it was still there was still a fear. You know, this yep. is the kind of control that this person or couple, I should say exercise over the body that that were that were that sat under their covering so to speak that and just God forbid me. if you go to another church you would not be allowed to go to another church without his permission <laughs> or another another event if he found out you oh you wouldn't believe you would be ostracized you would be condemned from the pulpit called out right uh, yeah how uh, how dare you step dare out you? from and under he, my he covering would ask he, he set me as a watchman in the church, and he said, I want you to tell me this. this he gave me this, this this list of things to watch for. I felt like a backstabber, and I told him. I said, I feel like a tattletale. Well, you're doing it for God. You're doing God's work. You're doing it to protect the church. You're doing it to protect your pastors. In the beginning, okay, you know. But when, when I see, you know, when he's actively searching Facebook pages till midnight, trying to peg people that are at the NAR church down the street for a conference and then find the people in the pictures <laughs> and writes their names down and then gives me the list. Well, you need, you need to confront them. I'm like, and that was the next thing, you know, he was putting things on us to do in his place. 
And I said, how can mm. I confront them? They did nothing to me. Well, you, I found them on Facebook. I said, then maybe you need to confront them if you feel you need to confront them. I shouldn't <laughs> confront them. You know, I, and I even said, um, why aren't we allowed? Because it's out of order. Everything is done decently in order. Ugh. Going without my permission is out of order. And it'll bring a curse. And people were scared. Ugh. And that was the bottom line. He ruled it with fear, using mm-hmm. the word of God. You know, where God gave us grace, he put us back under his law. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that's, and, that's, um... and if, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know the word, you'll get sucked right in. Right. Because you become, you, you become dependent on that leadership. You become dependent on, on the, um, advice. It's almost like a hook. Like you said, it's almost like, um, an addiction after a while. If oh, I need to do this, but I'll, I have to ask him first. It's like you're getting reassurance when you should really be standing on your own um, as yeah. a family. You don't need somebody else telling you how to run your family. Um, and, and that's what he was trying to do or starting to do, even, like I said, down to marriages and even down to um, death. There was another couple that left us left a year afterwards. They called us. We called them. We got together. She had cancer. She was diagnosed with, a, with the cancer while she was attending the church. He told her upon leaving the church, just remember, People that get healed here lose their healing when they leave. Oh, Whoa. you've got to be kidding me. She died last month. Mm. And I can just imagine him looking at the congregation and telling them, what did I tell you? If you leave here, look what happens. And, I mean, it was devastating for me that she did die, but I know she's in heaven. But when she mm-hmm. left there, that those those were the last words he said to her. And he also said to her, um, she was engaged to her fiance. He looked at them both and he said to her in front of the guy, "If you think he's going to marry you, you have another thing coming." He oh. cursed them leaving. He, and they never got married because she died. They had a wedding plan, but she went downhill pretty quick. So, the, and this will be used as a snare to keep the people that want to leave from leaving out of fear of dying or getting death or getting cursed. And that's how that works. Hmm. If you don't have, if you don't have the truth of God to stand on, you have nothing. Amen. Wow. That was pretty it, good. It Maria. Can be evil. It can be evil. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is evil, but it's, it's blatant evil. Uh, when you when you come up against it and you question it and you question that authority and you you question their motives or anything like that because I had a three hour meeting with him with a with a list two pages long I questioned him and the, the and the defense the, the the defensive position he took and the attitude that came out and the remarks and the scowl and the you know my husband and I met with him my husband said I never expected that that kind of response and I said I did. It was, how dare you question me? How dare you? He even went as far as to tell me that I had no, because I told him, I said, God knows the truth. I know the truth, and you know the truth. And I said, and someday you will stand before a holy God and have to give count for the, for the <laughs> truth and for life. 
you have no right to use scripture. You have uh, no, he said to me, you have no right to use scripture against me. Hmm. That was a big sordid deal, and there's a lot I could say, but those were, you know, those are just, with the time allotted, you know, these are the, the things I believe people run into in almost all of these churches. Mm-hmm. Common mm-hmm. denominators. Yep. Even across the globe, it's, it's the same. With David and uh, Guatemala and uh, Oscar in England, when we all got together and started comparing notes, we were kind of shocked, but not shocked. All right. Well, there you have it. There's Maria and Oscar. Uh, Next week, we'll do another uh, two, possibly three more interviews. And then I think there will yet be another part to this series. And I might space it out a little bit just to, you know, so that we're not on the same subject for too long. Uh, But whatever the case, you're going to hear from many other people uh, who have had very similar situations. Uh, All of them unique testimonies, but all of them pointing all back to this new apostolic reformation and what it does to you. So uh, look forward to those. Also, guys, something interesting to look forward to. I don't have a lot of information yet, but just to go ahead and and drop the hook in here, uh, there is going to be an apologetics conference, and I have been invited. It's going to be in Roundup, Montana at Pastor Jason Oaks Church. His church is called uh, Roundup Emanuel Baptist Church. Again, that's in Roundup, Montana. Uh, We don't have a date yet, okay? But this is now in the works. We're starting to put things together. Uh, Jason has asked me to kind of tag team this with him, although he's definitely spearheading most of it. Um, I'm pretty excited. This is going to be interesting. So I will keep you guys updated as as things unfold here. But... uh, I can tell you we're looking at sometime in the spring of 2017. So uh, look forward to hearing some updates on that. And I hope some of you guys who live close by can come out and see me. I'd love to meet you guys. So anyway, I'm going to stop right there. Next week, we'll pick up with some more of these interviews. Again, the book that uh, many of these interviews can be found in. If you want to just go ahead and grab it, it's on Amazon. And it is Narrow is the Way. Have you really found it? So, with that, I love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Sing it out loud!